Too often, faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera. Great to be with you as always and excited to share this interview with you. This is a poet, a pastor, a podcaster, just a lovely human being, Tara Lamont Eastman. And she's been having the conversations that we've been having on this show for a few years. She's been having them for decades. And so, so much to glean from such a a wonderful, wonderful conversation. So enjoy this time. I know you're going to love it. Tara Eastman, welcome to the Chasing Goodness podcast. I'm so excited that we finally made this work. Our connection is through our mutual friend, Spencer Burke. And as soon as he introduced me to you, I I just, I wanted to talk to you and I wanted to put it on this podcast because you've been, uh, you've been in this space for a long time now. And for a lot of people, this is kind of a new thing that they're exploring or, or going through this idea of rethinking their faith. But for you and for a lot of other people, this is, this has been decades in the making and it's almost exciting to see, I'm sure the, the conversation move forward a little bit. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here chasing some goodness, hopefully with everyone. Hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) Well, why don't you do, uh, just give us a little kind of the from above view of who you are, maybe a little bit about what you do or what you have done. Just introduce everybody to, uh, Tara Eastman a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I have always been interested in, in creative things and theology, even though that big word theology might not have been what, a, how I would have expressed it when I was younger. Um, but you know, art and music and theology have always intrigued me. Um, and those are three things that have stayed a part of my life from when I was wee little to this very day. Um, and the way that that's been expressed has been pretty diverse, um, from, you know, uh, years ago singing in uh, a Christian rock band that would essentially play for youth group events and be paid in, in s'mores and hot dogs, and then working as a, as a waitress during, you know, my regular work day to, um, becoming a seminary student, um, to, um, writing for, um, writing curriculum for, uh, confirmation to, um, now my current role in life and vocation is I'm a Lutheran pastor in central New York, and I also have a podcast. So, um, it's been a pretty diverse and, and, uh, as my dear friend said, when I was ordained a long and windy road, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but those consistent things would be creativity or art and music and writing as well as theology. Yeah. Tara, this is this is beyond exciting. You may have been my first ever guest that that we hold something very beautiful in common. That the beginning of my, I guess, Christian profession, if you will, was in a Christian rock band that my wife and I started, and we would tour all over the place. We did it for about three years, 
youth group upon youth group, you know, Christian festival upon Christian festival. And spaghetti so, dinners upon spaghetti right, dinners. right. I mean, driving, not knowing for sure if you have a place to stay that night and staying in somebody's space. I mean, that was, that's, that's, you know, if you start there, I feel like nowhere to go, but up. Really. <laughs> that's so wonderful. Or, or many times by the side of the road, you know, with a blown out tire and the oh, rest of the yes. crew and loading the back of the van to get to the spare to then reload the van. Yeah. That's so fun. I'll never forget. There was a moment we were on our way down to, to Nashville to play for who knows what. And we blew a tire because we had this old van, you know, because that's what you drive around and you drive around that's in an old you. conversion van and we blew out a tire or something or the van broke down. I remember we're on the side of a freeway. And then my wife, who's always kind of the spiritual leader of our household and of our band, she said, all right, pull out some chairs. And we're going to do a Bible study. So we we're on the side of the freeway on the way to Nashville, the broken down van, reading the Bible together. <laughs> I'll never forget it. So. <laughs> There Good is memories. Like that experience, man. I'm so glad that we have that in common. <laughs> yes, yes. In my life too, like yours, like it's always been about the arts and about faith and, and kind of melding those two together. And then here we are, you know, a million years later, both podcasting and exploring and leading and, and what have you. So anyway, that's, that's why I didn't know that about you. Oh, yeah, I'm so and excited. it's so fun to then, um, in the, in the podcasting end of it, as, as when I talk with folks, it's so fun to learn about those connections, you know, and be mm -hmm. like, Oh, we are not alone in this adventure. No, we're not. Yes. Yes. And that's exactly, that's why I started this podcast is to help people feel like they're not alone, especially in the space of, of rethinking their faith. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of, so why don't you share a little bit about how your faith journey evolved, maybe even before the Christian rock band and how that, oh, yeah. that became important to you, or if it is always important to you, because it takes a special person who not only is their faith important to them, but they're so they're so invested in it that they want to make a profession out of it, which is no small feat. Yeah. And, and again, along a winding road, you know, um, I grew up in on an, a Baptist tradition um, and probably was two weeks old, carried to church and, you know, dedicated it at two weeks old. Um, and I mean, even walking in that space um, as a child, going to Sunday school classes, um, helping in the nursery, you know. Um, but I remember a very pivotal point in my experience in that church was when a choir of nurses came to sing at our church. And it was the first time I saw women in mass uh, up in front leading. And they were singing, um, but it made such an impact on me. And I remember like tugging on my mom's sleeves and mom, 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 we got to get this record. Like, and I would go home and my mom would put it on the giant, um, uh, you know, the big console, right. With the, all the wood and everything. And she played on the record player and I would sit there and I would worship along with this record, like what these young women modeled for me was this pathway into this, like, Oh, this is what I experienced in church on Sunday, but God is also at work here in my living room. What's going on with that? Um, and so, you know, that was a really important part in, in me understanding, um, a practical sense of theology. Again, not a word I would say when I was six years old, sit in front of the, the stereo, but, um, but that was such an important part. And, you know, and from there, you know, um, moving into youth group um, opportunities and and being a part of a 
really small church that then I, I reached out and got connected to uh, an EUM church, a Methodist church that had a large youth group. Um, going to summer camp was a really big deal in my life too. Um, I started going to summer camp from the time I was like six years old all the way through like 15. Um, and then um, in time, um, I met my my husband-to-be um, when I was really young. Actually, I was a senior in high school, and he was working at a Christian radio station. And I was asked by the youth group leader to go and to help answer phone calls on on Friday nights and to pray with people on the phone. I know, 18 years old with my Billy Graham um, handbook. Um <laughs> <laughs> and 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 just saying okay I'll I'll go I'll go be there and if people need somebody to listen I'll listen which was a part of me um starting to unearth that pastoral care part of my life in a more tangible way um and then um when my husband and I got married several years later we ended up at a at a Calvary Chapel church where the music was wonderful and arts was a really big part of that. Um, and in time, we really felt called, though, to uh, expression of church that was much more missionally minded and caring for folks in the world in a tangible way. Um, and uh, we shifted to actually a Salvation Army context um, where we were members and then eventually employees in charge of a core or a, tr or a church in that system. For about six years. Um, and after that, um, or in that process, we both got interested, my husband and I got interested in contemplative spiritual practices through the Benedictine influence. I know, broad spectrum here, folks, as you listen to this. Um, and um, started praying the hours uh, here and there in that system uh, that was like, why are you carrying around this prayer book everywhere you go? Um, and eventually found my way to um, work in a Presbyterian church as a outreach person, musician, and eventually lay preacher. And then from there, got connected to the Lutherans. And so here I am. Um, this last week was my six-year anniversary of ordination um, in the ELCA. Okay. And here I am in central New York at King of Kings Lutheran. Yeah. Congratulations on six years as a Lutheran pastor, as the Reverend Tara Eastman. I know, I know from the um, side of the road, broken down by a van, Tara Eastman and a band to that today. Yeah. Yeah. You, you seem to have gone a little bit backwards from what I know most people do. Like you started Baptist and ended up Lutheran. A lot of people kind of do that the opposite way, but I, I love right. that. And I grew up Catholic. So I love like the liturgical, you know, feel of community. And, and that's so, so when I came across your podcast, because I was introduced to it by Spencer, the Holy shenanigans podcast, by the <laughs> way, for those of you listening, make sure you check it out. You might even want to at, right after we're done with this podcast, get on to the Holy shenanigans podcast and check it out because it's really it's really special and it's really unique. Uh, a lot, a lot of times in the podcasting world, it's more like what we're doing here, conversations and things like that, yeah. which you do, but you also add in the arts. You also add in like pieces of liturgy. You add, it, it's, it's, it does follow oh, it's a liturgical pattern. It yes. really does. <laughs> yes. Which, which I love about it. And I, I don't know if that just kind of connected to my roots or what, but when I heard it for the first time, I was like, yes, this, this is a podcast I need to stay connected oh, to for so sure. Glad. Where did, so where did the 
because there's, there's, I think in just about every one of your podcasts, there's poetry. When I heard you on the next Sunday summit, I think you ended with a poem on there as well. So poetry, not just music, but poetry is also a big part of your life. How did that come into being? You know, um, poetry came into my life through a elementary school teacher, Mrs. Hodak. Um, and I, I, I talk about her in one of my episodes or a couple of them. I mentioned her, Mrs. H. Um, and she loved poetry and poetry was a sacred practice for her. Um, but the funny story behind it is, you know, in, in elementary school, when they teach those different, like, we're going to focus on this right now, you know, and they'll do like a special for a little while. So it was the special for poetry. And she said, okay, we're going to um, write poems about a descriptive word. Um, and so she's like, you know, pick uh, a color or pick something that you really like. And so I picked the color red because I like red. And I wrote this descriptive poem about the color red, like on the spot. It was just like, oh, this is easy. Like, right. I love this color. Like, I like my shoes to be red. I like my shirt to be red, you know. Um, but I write it and I hand it in to Mrs. H and she goes, that's not yours. You must have copied it from somewhere. And I'm like, no, no, I promise. And I remember going home, being heartbroken, telling my, my parents, you know, I wrote this and, and please go tell Mrs. H. Cause I, I just loved this teacher. And so, you know, I don't know what's through my parents, but somehow I ended up having a conversation with Mrs. H saying, give me another word and I will write a poem for you on the spot. And so I did. <laughs> and she went, oh my goodness. Like, this is a thing in you. Like, this is just a, a channel for you to express um, your heart. And so Mrs. H began to be a mentor in that. And um, and a little bit after that, after I had you know graduated out of her class, actually about two years after that, we had a loss in our family. My um, older sister passed away from a heart defect and she had been ill her whole, her whole life from the age of two. Um, and I was really struggling with my grief and didn't know how to articulate that and really was stuck in this, um, this really hard place. And I remember going to the school, my mom had to pick up some information before I went to middle school. Right. Um, and Mrs. H was there at the school in the summertime. And I was like, why are the teachers here in the summer? Right. It was such a strange thing. But she sat down um, at the playground when my mom was inside in the office and had this beautiful conversation with me about how she leaned into poetry when she lost her husband. And so I was like, oh, I can do that with poetry. And for me, poetry became this safe container for me to put all of those deep feelings that I have um, to process those big questions that I have. And I really feel like for me, poetry is a form of prayer um, and to process things. And it's been a way for um, me to also invite other folks to think about their spiritual lives in a different way. Um, and sometimes I use that in my own liturgy and in my own preaching it, and in my setting. Um, but it was also something that seemed like a natural um, means of connecting with folks with fresh words that might not come from a religious or, you know, organized religion background. So that's why I wanted to have that be the benediction slash invocation at the end of, of each episode. Yeah. Mm. So that's, that's why poetry for me. Oh, that's um, such started, a beautiful story. 
I'll, I'll start it because I was accused of plagiarizing, <laughs> so <laughs> which true. I did it. I still, like, it's I not, still, I, I love the, like right on the spot. Like I'll do it right now. <laughs> yeah, so like, good. please. Like I felt because it was something that like, I didn't know was it in me. Right. Until she yeah. like opened the door and I was like, Oh no, no, I, I don't want this door to close. Like all of a sudden this makes sense. Right. This is a way for me to process these things that I didn't have a way to really wrestle with and in such an effective way mm-hmm. when I, I love that too and i think it shouldn't be forgotten the importance of the arts when we're talking about grief when we're talking about emotion and i know you know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are people that are man they're they're disappointed with faith communities they've been a part of they're grieving the loss of people and experiences they're they're going through things and, and it's always important to have some sort of tools to help that process yet. And, and, you know, some, some people are going to see counselors, which is a beautiful thing. Some people are just trying to make it make sense in their mind. But I think it's so important that we don't miss the opportunity to allow the arts to, to heal us. I know some people who, you know, draw, they just, they just, if they're, if they're hurting, they, they sit down and they just start drawing or writing or journaling or, you know, poetry, or just even listening to music or playing music. Sometimes we gloss over the importance of, of the arts and the healing. And we, you know, we can think about, you know, the, the Bible, the scriptures, when David was going through so much of his hurt, you know, and he would write poetry about that. And I think it's, so I even think it's founded in kind of the traditions of our, our faith as well. So let that be, you know, encouragement to everybody listening today, that if, if you're hurting today, if you're struggling, don't be afraid to reach into the arts, if nothing else, just to allow yourself to, to heal without thinking sometimes, you know, or open up to the Psalms. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and that's something this last week, um, um, I was very happy to talk with a, a person who, um, Tanya D from Yalite, she's talking about how meditating, meditating with scripture, right. Um, and in my Lutheran tradition, the Psalm is where folks would, uh, canter or sing back and forth, right. The, the leader, the canter would sing part of the Psalm in the congregation or an, or a second canter would follow with the next line. And it would just be this back and forth this beautiful space and the psalms are honest they are emotional they are a place where people bring their fear and anxiety and grief and joy right all of it all of that human experience and it's this ancient book of song of of people engaged in a relationship with god and others like that's a really good place to go to if you're looking for you know poetry that's right there in scripture. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, so, so many times the songs get made uh, about the the Psalms that are about joy or about good things, but, you know, read deep enough to see some of the <laughs> angst and uh, frustration yeah. with God <laughs> and wanting to give up on life. I mean, you can find a piece of yourself in there for sure. Yeah. Uh, depending plenty on... of basement poetry <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. in the Psalms. <laughs> yeah, some, that space. <laughs> yeah. There's some, some ugly art in there. Some just like letting it all out and, you know, yeah. Sometimes I wonder if the psalmists and, and David and the people that, that were writing them, you know, if it was just a, a personal thing that they were just getting some things out. And then here we are thousands of years later, still reading, you know, some of their probably darkest moments. <laughs> and now I think about all of my journals that have all of these. <laughs> oh, <Right>? no. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's why I throw my journals away after I'm done with them. Cause uh, I don't want, like, I don't want to pass away one day and my kids are like, Oh, I want to, I want to see into dad's soul. And then they read some of the crap I put in there. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, you you work with a lot of people that are just exploring faith, struggling with faith, and I don't think anybody could ever accuse you of of doing what you do in a safe way. And so, um, what what have you been seeing as far as kind of the trajectory of what you know? If we talk about in a holistic viewpoint, mm-hmm. what are you seeing people going through right now? Um, if we could generalize a little bit, yeah, um, I think folks are wrestling with identity. Um, I think they're wrestling with a sense, a real sense of community, you know, where do they belong and where are the people that they can have as their tribe. Um, and I think folks are wrestling with a lot of the, the, the conflict and the tragedies in the world. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, all of those things, again, so very emotionally heavy, right? Um, but um, I find that a lot of times folks are looking for someone to listen to their story and to affirm them in their own spiritual journey. Um, and so as, as you know, a professional clergy person, right, Um that requires me to listen well. It requires me to really hear um, because I'm talking with folks that come from church background. I'm talking with folks that are, you know, um, like as I walk down the street, right? Or in the grocery store line. Um, there's all sorts of opportunities to engage in that blessing of listening. And it's not just for clergy folk to do. Um, that's a part of that practical theology piece that I'm trying to, um, share that opportunity in with folks. And, um, in my preaching this last week, I talked about, um, opening up the barn door opening up the barn door. Um, there was a, the parable of the man who, um, had so much in his barns that he was going to tear down his barns and build bigger barns. And then God says, Oh, time's up time to go. Um, you're not going to be able to enjoy this barn full of stuff. Um, and, and this parable of Jesus, you know, uh, essentially the way I paraphrase it is Jesus says, open the barn doors, like share your life. Um, and, and I, and I love that because it wasn't a palace, right? It wasn't this austere space. It was a barn, <laughs> right? Um, and I think, I mean, obviously agricultural kind of understanding of the world in the time it was written, but like where, what are the barns of our lives other than maybe our cars, right? Those are our mobile barns, right? Or, or maybe what is a barn in your life? Is it my living room? Is it, is it my laptop that I carry around and go to coffee shops and, and write, write through and communicate to folks with, you know, um, is it the resources that we have or the gifts we have to share with the world? Right. Um, and so I think that there's this intersection between, um, that longing for place and connection as well as encouragement to share our everyday gifts in our everyday lives. Because I think people often feel as if who they are and what they have to offer isn't like 
big enough or impressive enough or whatever, right? And I think that that is a spiritual heaviness that keeps a lot of people from living into their gifts. Yeah. And as, as a pastor, um, as a person, no matter um, where folks are coming from spiritually or otherwise, I really feel like that's part of who I am called to be in the world is to affirm people for who they are and the gifts they do have. Um, because I also know the other side of that. I also know that side of it where, where folks maybe in my past weren't really encouraging of, of me to be a pastor or me to um, be an, an activist for um, human rights or, you know, any number of areas. But out of that experience of not receiving that affirmation or, or having folks say, you know, close that barn door, lady, you know, um, I'm like, no, no, open the barn door, open the barn door for, for all people. Um, because imagine if we all did that. Imagine if we were unencumbered to, you know, like my story about Mrs. H, right? She went from saying, oh, this isn't your work to realizing it was my work and doing everything she could to encourage me, right? And in that small bit of encouragement, how has that impacted the rest of my life and the lives of other people that I encounter? It's like this beautiful ripple effect, right? I mean, yeah. where would I be without Mrs. H? I don't and, think I'd be faster. Right. And all of us have a Mrs. H or a few Mrs. H's in our life, you know, people yeah. that were those people that got us from here to that, just that next space that really pushed us forward. Yeah. Now, one thing, you know, based on what you're saying that I'm interested to hear kind of how you think about it as a pastor of a Lutheran church, you know, you're a person that people inherently look to for wisdom, guidance, spiritual understanding, whatever you want to, whatever you want to fill in the blank there. But we, we are seeing this need for everybody to play their role, yeah. but there's this danger that people will come to a church community and say, well, that's the, that's the professional up there. Um, we'll let them take care of this. But what we're seeing in our world right now is just this need for everybody kind of all hands on deck. And so how do you as a pastor help your congregation and help the people that, that you work with to not rely on you in a way that first of all, isn't fair to you, but also that doesn't keep them from living into the best form of their own, their, their selves as well. Yeah. I mean, I can say this is a work in progress <laughs> sure, sure. every, every single, every single day, every single week. But I, I have been really, um, I've been focused on, um, this word, um, about being community and talking about that in small groups. Um, in my setting, we're reading a book called together community as a means of grace, um, that talks about, uh, how church organizations or church adjacent, um, settings, reimagined their resources and their property and, and what they had to, um, to try some holy experiments in the world. Um, and so we're talking about what that means to, to 
to do these holy experiments. Um, so it's through conversation. It's through, um, through, through teaching through scripture. Like I did this last week talking about open the barn doors, right? If people can start to think about those things, they can come back to that thought. Oh, wait, what does that mean? You know, I think that that works in our heart and our mind. Um, and, and I, I also will say it is not a fast process. Like I would just love to be like, Oh, I preached on this last week. Everybody open the barn doors. Are we there? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, and so I, I believe also for myself and for other folks that are in a similar setting and for parishioners, like, um, treat this with grace, treat yourself with grace. Um, this is not on a, a compressed timeline or that pressure is not going to really be helpful, but like, how do we, how do we walk together through these questions of, of being a community that loves God and loves neighbor and loves self and in the way that we're called in our context and in our lives, you know, I mean, that's, that's a lot that could probably just be, you know, uh, a book on its own. <laughs> right. Right. But, but I, I think that, you know, continually going back to what does community mean? How are we living into that sense of community? How are you part of that community? Um, and, and who can we come alongside? Um, what does, what does this, this group in the community have to teach us? And, and maybe we can link arms and help each other. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. In a perfect world that you just say that and it all works. Right. But that's the... yeah, well, I mean, so an example, example of this in a previous setting, um, we had, um, we were rich with, um, rooms in this one setting where I was a pastor. Um, and we had this beautiful kitchen that wasn't getting a lot of use. And so this beautiful kitchen became the space for, uh, a local bakery to come in and bake their gluten-free goods because they needed a dedicated space for those, those goods. Um, it helped this small business. They gave a donation to that ministry. Um, it also like just the smell of the, the baked goods every day they were in there was incredible. And, you know, for the, the health group that was over here and the exercise group that was over here and the senior group was over there, like people would come and they would buy them on site out of the oven, you know? Um, and it was a way we all linked arms, right. To help each other, um, to provide really good things, you know, whether it was the actual baked goods or the relationship or, you know, all of that. But I think that's a good example of, of one way of being community and sharing space and, um, hearing each other and seeing each other in new ways. Yeah, that's so good. And that leads into kind of my next thought. So you, you just got done, uh, being featured on the next Sunday summit with mm -hmm. Spencer Burke, who we'd mentioned earlier that, um, when, when we put this podcast out, it will be in the past, but you can still get access to it. So go to the next Sunday and you can get access to hear more from Tara and 29 other great minds. And, uh, on that, that the whole idea of that is, is kind of, where are we as people of faith, where are we going? Because there's, we're in the midst of a shift. It feels like in faith community and culture in general. And so I'd be interested to hear from you and, and you hinted at maybe a piece of it as well, because you were talking about this idea of even using a, a building for multiple things, whether it's faith-based cooking, you know, baking, exercising, whatever. And, and in the past, I think a lot of what we've seen is 
you know, church in a silo almost where, where, you know, we do our thing and everybody else does their thing. But I think our culture is, is desiring something beyond that. And they want to see faith intermingled with every part of their life. I think like deep inside, that's what we're hoping for. And so as a person that's in this work every single day, where, where do you see us going from here? We know that especially post COVID, a lot of people haven't come back to church communities as they've known them in the past, but I don't think for a second, that means people aren't interested in faith or trying to follow God. I think it's just, it's, it's something beyond that. So what are you seeing? What are maybe even you hoping for? Yeah, I am hoping for, um, I'm hoping for opportunities for us to link arms with each other. Like the, the idea of those individual silos, that is not going to make it friends. Nope. That's not going to do it. Um, you know, um, one of the things that we've done here in this setting during the pandemic here at King of Kings, um, they had a tradition of having a Thanksgiving dinner on Thanksgiving day and, and serving folks in the community that maybe didn't have a big family group. And so they just kind of get together, have about a hundred people and, and have a meal together. And obviously in the midst of, uh, COVID that was not feasible. So with some conversation with that team, we decided to try a drive up, uh, Thanksgiving meal. And so we, you know, we're able to partner with a local grocery store chain and purchase those meals from this local grocery store chain. And then we were able to have, you know, a couple of volunteers or a team of volunteers get together. And on that particular day before Thanksgiving, we distributed these 100 or so meals and the community um, here was really excited about that and started to donate more money. And we were done with the Thanksgiving meal and we're like, Oh wait, we can do a Christmas and we can do a February and we can do an Easter. Wow. So this one wonderful beginning, this one um, seed of doing this Thanksgiving dinner shifted into four dinners and is something, excuse me, that we're continuing to, to do. Um, And maybe not with the same frequency, but we're, we're really trying to discern. So how do we take this beautiful meal and find ways to grow it or to shift it or to um, augment it so that we can have more regular contact with these 100 people that we wouldn't normally see on a Sunday, right? So that's another next Sunday, just in a different way. Yeah. So just seeing kind of expressions of faith outside of usually what we've defined as expressions of faith, but just realizing Mm -hmm. that it's all, all collaborative and it's all connected. You know, I'm excited to see that, that we have been seeing, you know, businesses that we never used to think of as being spiritual or connected to faith kind of rising up and and meeting some needs that, uh, that, you know, I think a lot of people are finally saying, Hey, that is, that's so Jesus-like that's so, you know, God focused, even though it could even, be a for-profit business or whatever. And I think, you know, maybe what we're, we're going to see or what hopefully we will see is just, as you said, you know, more linking arms, more collaboration, less 
less self-focus even in the context of our faith communities. And I don't personally believe that we're going to get away from faith communities as they've known them in the past, nor do I believe that we should, because one of the things I'm hearing a lot as I talk to people, um, you know, a lot of people that listen to this show, a lot of people that I run into have certainly gone away from some of the faith communities they used to be a part of, but they miss it deeply. You know, the two, the two things, and this is pertinent for this, this, uh, interview right now, the two things that I always hear people miss are being together with people, you know, in a church setting, in a corporate worship setting, and then just the music, the arts, Mm -hmm. you know, because those aren't necessarily things that you experience in your day to day, depending on what you do for a living or, or whatnot. Um, so I do think there will always be a space for kind of our, our, our organized faith gatherings, you know? And so I, I'm hopeful that people aren't thinking, oh, let's just get rid of that and start something new, but instead to, to maybe rethink that a little bit, but don't give up on something that's got such beautiful historical roots, just build on that and then expand beyond that, I think is important. And and I think to your point, Matt, um, liturgy means the work of the people, Mm -hmm. right? So liturgy means the work of the people. So I want people to think about that. So what is, what is the work? What is the barn door in your own life? Right. That you can open up. Um, but also, you know, in, in generally in worship, there's a few things that happen, right? There's a gathering, there's a word, there's a sacrament and ascending those four things. So even though our, various liturgies or our expressions are going to be unique to our settings. Those four elements are there. And even if we want to try to reimagine how we go about a particular um, gathering or worship experience, does it have those four things? It's worship, right? So like the meal that I told you about, like we pray together, right? So there's the gathering and then there's this continual gathering and sending with each car that comes through the parking lot, right? I stand there in the parking lot and have another volunteer or a few that, you know, we ask people how they are. Are there any prayer requests that they have? Can we pray with you today? Is there any way we can help you? Like that's part of that word. And that's that, you know, right. And then are taking food, <laughs> which is not the same sacrament as communion, but it is sacramentally ish, right? (laughs) However, your, your piety is around that, but, um, it has those four elements. Is it worship? Yes. Is it part of a, a spiritual community? Yes. Is it inward and outward reaching? Yes. Okay. That's the next Sunday thing. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Last question. Uh, This is a question I ask everybody at the end of the podcast and we've already kind of alluded to it a little bit, but where is it that you see in your space in New York and uh, being a pastor, where is it that you're seeing hope in our world in this world where sometimes it's hard to find, where do you see hope? Mm. You know, I see hope in lots of different ways. So, um, I think when I listen to folks' stories and they share these tender parts of their lives with me, I feel like that is such a sacred and hopeful space. Like I am, I am in awe <laughs> that I am given that gift of being there with people in those spaces. 
And then when, when in that sense of community, there's this sense of reciprocation, right. And, um, you know, uh, blessings like, you know, uh, sometimes parishioners will, will send a card, you know, and, and, and things like that, that's hopeful, you know, and, and that's something that anybody can do. Um, but those small instances of encouragement, that is amazing and helpful. You know, um, a lot of times we think really big, right? I do. I know I can fall in that trap, but what are those precious everyday things that we can express gratitude for? I think that that's, that's part of that or essential part of that. Awesome. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Any chance you have a poem that you could, you could close us out with. Since you mentioned the one that I shared for the next Sunday, um, I will share that with you. This one is a conversation with the poet Rumi. And I'll start with Rumi's beginning stanza and then my response to Rumi. Okay. It's called Dancing in the Breeze. The beloved shines like the sun, the lover whirls like a planet. When love's spring breeze blows, even moist branch starts dancing. And my response. God of change, blow a cool breeze my way. Focus my attention on love. Love that welcomes all. Love that is diversity. Change moves me, you, we, into God's dance of love that spins around us, swirls our colors so that the gazing eye sees a picture of diversity that is beauty. Changing love, make us one, a swirling masterpiece. Make us one as you are one. As we bring it home today, a couple of things. Number one, the arts matter. And they can be a great connection to God. They can be a great connection to yourself. And they can be a great healing power in this world. And so let's not forget to allow ourselves to be surrounded by artistic expressions of our faith and just by artistic expressions in general whether it's poetry whether it's music whether it's drawing any it's just it's also beautiful and all matters so very much and then second the church moving forward faith moving forward it's only going to matter if it has a cooperative element to it if we get outside of our walls if we get outside of our silos and actually become a part of our communities as opposed to just having a building in the center of a community. That's a very different thing. Special thanks to Tara Lamont Eastman for joining the show today. You can find more about her at taralamonteastman.com. That's T-A-R-A-L-A-M-O-N-T-E-A-S-T-M-A-N.com. And then be sure to check out the Holy Shenanigans podcast. Right after you click off this, head right over there and enjoy because it's such a unique and beautiful show that you're really going to enjoy. Of course, if you want to keep track of what we got going on this podcast, you can find me on social media. That's on Facebook at Matt Kinzera or at Chasing Goodness and also on Instagram at Matt Kinzera. You can subscribe to this podcast, give it a five-star rating and write a review. And until next time, let's keep chasing goodness together.